We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go. Episode 107 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Friday, July 23rd, 2021, the end of the final work week before the start of Washington football team training camp. What you might say is the true start of Washington football team season. I know the NFL regular season doesn't start until September, but the NFL season. The season of news and developments, the season of press conferences, that starts with training camps. And actually, two training camps began on Thursday. Those for the Pittsburgh Steelers and our good friends, the Dallas Cowboys. And those two teams will be playing each other in the preseason opener, the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio, on Thursday night, August 5th. But hello and happy Friday. Welcome aboard. I said in the opening segment of Thursday's show that it was going to be a diverse show. Well, this show is going to be a one-track-minded show all about the Washington football team. Neither the Nationals nor the Orioles played on Thursday. The Nats and O's will actually be playing each other this weekend in Baltimore. Uh, Nothing major popped up regarding the Wizards or Capitals on Thursday. The Caps' regular season schedule did come out. Season opener is on October 13th as the NHL gets back to its normal calendar. I still think it's nuts that the NHL doesn't start its season in December and instead, by starting in mid-October, goes head-to-head with the NFL for two and a half months, really three and a half months if you count the NFL playoffs, but whatever. The other thing with the Caps' regular season schedule, because you have the break for the Olympics in February, you have a lot of games bunched in tight, and that's the kind of thing that looms large for an older team like the Caps, so we'll see how that ends up being handled. But otherwise, this episode 107 is a good opportunity to spread our wings and do a bunch on the Washington football team. Special guest, Aaron Schatz. Yes, we are taking shots on this Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Aaron Schatz, the creator of Football Outsiders and the editor-in-chief of Football Outsiders Almanac 2021. He is the creator of DVOA, a metric that you hear me reference all the time. Uh, We're going to go in-depth on the Washington football team. And Aaron is a pioneer in the analytics movement in football. We'll talk about that a bunch. Ryan Fitzpatrick, He has called his situation with the Washington football team, quote, the best situation I've ever been in or the best situation that I've ever gone into as the guy, end quote. There's a lot to unpack with that statement. Unpack we shall. I will continue my position group by position group breakdown of the Washington football team heading into training camp by talking receiver. How many receivers will Ron Rivera keep on the season opening 53-man roster? How many receivers should Ron keep? And next segment, I have for you a COVID-19 update regarding our Washington football team. How about what came out on Thursday regarding what the NFL has told NFL teams when it comes to COVID-19 for the upcoming season? You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. A continued thank you to you for your support 
of this podcast, you are subscribing to the podcast, your rating and reviewing of the podcast. Those things help out a lot. If you haven't yet, just please take like the 30 seconds to give the podcast a five-star rating and write like a one-sentence review saying how much you like the pod. Uh, Email from BJ Arnold. He likes the pod. He says, your podcast continues to make my day. Thank you, BJ. Uh, Continues, BJ. Been wondering about your and away we go opening catchphrase. I'm thinking that it is an homage to the great Jackie Gleason, who made the saying famous on the original Jackie Gleason show back in the 50s and early 60s. The show also spawned the original Honeymooners sitcom. I realize that the show was before your time, and mine as well, but I think you're somewhat of a media historian like me. So am I right, or is the phrase from something else? Wow. Uh, Don't ever give me that much credit, BJ. Uh, No, man. You know, I've actually been saying that, and away we go, for like 10 years. Uh, I first started saying that on a Saturday morning show, I used to do a 980 Sports Saturday, and then I brought that over to the Morning Blitz show that I did weekdays, 5 a.m. to 7 a.m., and I brought And Away We Go to this podcast. I don't have a specific reason for why I say And Away We Go. It just kind of organically developed. Like I just said it, and I felt like, okay, that's a good way to start my show, so I've stuck with that ever since. But yeah, it's not really influenced by anyone or anything. I know of Jackie Gleason. I can't say I've ever watched Jackie Gleason or watched uh, The Honeymooners, but I know who you're talking about uh, when you bring him up. I I was thinking about actually in reading your email, I was like, okay, what is the oldest television show that I did watch with any kind of regularity? And I guess the oldest show that I watched, and it was in reruns, was Good Times, right? Because Good Times goes back to the 1970s. But as a kid, I remember watching reruns of Good Times uh, and I think Channel 20 locally, and I think TBS used to run reruns of Good Times. So like on weekday afternoons in the summer, I would watch Good Times. I, I would watch uh, What's Happening, too. I used to enjoy watching that show. But yeah, I mean, I'm a child of the 80s and early 90s. So like that's where my television viewing goes back to. So, you know, if you want to talk Family Ties or Night Court or Cheers or Growing Pains or any of a number of other 1980s, 1990s sitcoms. I'm down, bro. I'm down. But yeah, Jackie Gleason, Honeymooners, I can't say that I have much knowledge uh, of those shows. But Good Times was a great show. It was a groundbreaking show in a lot of ways. And Good Times featured one of the greatest catchphrases in television history. JJ, who ended up being the star of the show and what he used to say in peak moments on the show. And those of you who watch the show know exactly of what I speak JJ would say, dynamite. Dynamite! Yes, dynamite. And it's not just how he said it, right? He didn't say dynamite. He said dynamite. But it's the expression on his face. It's the hand gesture that he would make. It was great. JJ Evans, a.k.a. Jimmy Walker in real life, uh, a tremendous comedy talent. That guy had timing that guy had showmanship. That guy's still alive, okay? I'm not trying to talk about him like he's dead here, but uh, he was great on that show. And of course, Good Times also is notable because Janet Jackson, a young Janet Jackson, played the role of Penny on the show. So yeah, you had JJ, you had a young Janet Jackson, you had Bookman, who was kind of like the original Newman from back in the day. So yeah, there was a lot going on, a lot of good stuff going on on the show, Good Times. But Dynamite is an all time classic. Well, speaking of dynamite. Dynamite! Yes, speaking of dynamite, uh, someone who will do a dynamite job of selling your home is John Grandlin of Real Broker. He is known in some circles as John G. And that's fitting because he is the OG of something called commission flex, flexible commission rates, adaptable commission rates. If you need to sell your home and aren't sure to whom to turn, if you've been trying to sell your home, and you're not satisfied with how things are going, if you're even just thinking about selling your home, contact my guy, John Grandlin, John G., and ask about his commission flex. Ron Rivera, right? He loves position flex. John Grandlin is the OG of commission flex. Position flex. 
Yes, that's right, Ron. You have position flex. John G has commission flex. Not every house requires the same amount of work or money spent marketing. So why should you pay the same fees? It doesn't make sense. It's never made sense. John Granlin is changing the game. If your house is going to sell in six minutes, don't pay 6%. Let John Granlin put a marketing plan together for you that will maximize your home's value and help you keep more of your hard-earned equity in your pocket. John Grandlin has a menu of commission packages that you can choose from. That right there, my friends, is commission flex. Among the options, by the way, is selling your home for free. Yeah, you heard that right. For free, zero commission. Some conditions do apply. But interviewing John Grandlin is an absolute no-brainer. He can come by your house, give you a step-by-step plan on what to do to get top dollar, and maybe even more importantly, what not to do so you don't spend needlessly, and there is never any obligation to list or sell. Do yourself a favor and call John Grandlin to sell your home. Call John G at 703-537-6747. When you call John Grandlin, make sure you tell him that Al Galdi sent you and make sure you say, hey, I want to hear more about this commission flex that Galdi keeps talking about on the Al Galdi podcast. John Grandlin is a great guy, smart guy, big Washington football team fan, big Nationals fan, Give him a call. See what he can do for you. There's no obligation. 703-537-6747 or visit johngselsforfree.com. That's johngselsforfree.com. John Grandlin, nobody will do a better job of selling your home. And remember, he is the OG of Commission Flex. Position Flex. Yes, Ron. Just like Position Flex. All right, so we have an update on the status of the Washington football team when it comes to its COVID-19 vaccination rate for players, no longer less than 50%. Hey, how about that? Our team finally has at least gotten to 50%. Washington football team insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post on Thursday tweeted that Washington has improved its COVID-19 vaccination rate among players as no NFL team, per a source, now is below a 50% player COVID-19 vaccination rate. Uh, Per Nikki, 14 teams were above 85%, and 78% of all NFL players had had at least one COVID-19 vaccine shot. Also on Thursday was Washington football team insider J.P. Finley of NBC Sports Washington tweeting, that Washington's COVID-19 vaccination rate for players was now between 50 and 60%. Remember, it was just this past Friday that we had multiple reports that Washington still had a COVID-19 player vaccination rate of less than 50%. In fact, the Associated Press reported that Washington and the Indianapolis Colts had the two lowest COVID-19 vaccination player rates in the NFL. At least now, we can say our team is at least at the Mendoza line of COVID-19 player vaccination rates. If you have been following the saga that is NFL players and COVID-19 vaccinations, you know that the NFL isn't mandating that players get vaccinated for COVID-19. If you're an NFL player and you don't want to get vaccinated for COVID-19, you don't have to get vaccinated for COVID-19. However, your NFL life is just going to be much harder and much more inconvenient than that of a player who is vaccinated for COVID-19. The NFL isn't making players get vaccinated for COVID-19. The NFL is just trying to inconvenience players into getting vaccinated for COVID-19. We on June 16th had multiple reports of updated COVID-19 protocols for NFL training camps and the preseason this year. Among the updated protocols, NFL players who aren't fully vaccinated are banned from nightclubs, bars, house parties, concerts, etc. So you can't go to the club, you can't go to the bar, you can't go to any parties, you can't go to any concerts. The NFL is grounding you if you aren't vaccinated for COVID-19 and if you get caught doing any of these things without having been vaccinated for COVID-19, the NFL and its clubs are allowed to issue fines of a game check up to $50,000 for a first offense, and more thereafter for violating protocol. 
That right there is a perfect example of the policy of inconvenience that the NFL has adopted. If you know your U.S. history, you perhaps know about Harry Truman's policy of containment. Uh, The NFL's policy for players getting vaccinated for COVID-19 is a policy of inconvenience. Well, now the policy has been ramped up because we on Thursday had multiple reports that the NFL in a memo has warned teams of forfeits and loss of game checks for canceled games due to COVID-19 outbreaks among unvaccinated players. The memo said that if a game cannot be rescheduled during the 18-week regular season this year, the team with the outbreak will forfeit the game and be credited with a loss. Players on both teams will not be paid for the game, and the team responsible for the canceled game due to unvaccinated players will cover the financial losses and be subject to potential discipline from the commissioner's office. Now, it is worth pointing out, last year, the NFL never had to cancel any games. The NFL had to postpone a bunch of games. The NFL had to reschedule a bunch of games. But the NFL ended up never canceling any games. It's hard for me to believe that now in 2021, when we have COVID-19 vaccines, that the NFL would actually end up canceling games off last year when we didn't have any vaccines, still ended up not canceling any games. So this might just be a giant threat that never actually has to be delivered upon, but it is worth noting, right? The NFL is coming down hard on players and on teams when it comes to not having players vaccinated for COVID-19. The NFL is not fooling around with COVID-19 for the upcoming season, and I don't blame the NFL. You see, I believe three things to be true with all of this COVID-19 stuff with the NFL. Number one, if players don't want to get vaccinated, they have every right not to get vaccinated, just like every one of us has every right not to get vaccinated. Your body, your choice. You should do what you want to do with your body. I got vaccinated, okay? But just because I believe in the vaccines and I'm fine with getting vaccinated doesn't mean that everyone has to think exactly as I do. So yeah, if players don't want to get vaccinated, they have every right not to get vaccinated. But number two, the NFL has every right to incentivize like crazy players getting vaccinated. The NFL is a business. It can do as it pleases. And if players want to insist on not getting vaccinated and they don't like how the NFL is handling this, then go do something else, okay? Nobody's holding a gun to your head to play in the NFL. The NFL will be just fine without you, trust me. And the third thing that I believe to be true with all of this COVID-19 stuff with the NFL, the NFL incentivizing players to get vaccinated has nothing to do with player safety because we all know that most, if not all, NFL players who get COVID-19 are fine. The NFL incentivizing players to get vaccinated, I believe, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with, you know, the greater good of this country reaching herd immunity and the greater good of us preventing virus mutation. The NFL incentivizing players to get vaccinated, I believe, has everything to do with something very simple. Money. As Randy Moss said many years ago, straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. Yeah, straight cash, homie. This is about having a normal season, a season in which games happen when they're supposed to happen, a season in which stadiums are packed, a season in which television ratings are through the roof, a season in which the NFL makes all of the billions of dollars that the NFL is supposed to make. When in doubt, follow the money. This is all about money. This isn't about safety. This is about money. Straight cash, homie. Yeah, straight cash, homie. This isn't complicated. Man, I cannot wait until the day on which we no longer have to talk about, read about, hear about, or think about COVID-19. I am so sick of this. I know most of you are so sick of this. The whole thing should have never happened. Why it happened is something that we absolutely have to get to the bottom of, if for no other reason so that something like this never, ever happens again. Well, medicine and science are complicated, that's for sure. And so you always want to put your care in the hands of a doctor who knows his or her stuff. One of the great supporters of this podcast, Dr. George Verghese, absolutely knows his stuff. He is the medical director for the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. He is a board-certified dermatologist, 
at Mohs Surgeon. Medical dermatology is a big deal these days. If you have a skin problem of any kind, contact Dr. Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland and tell them Al Galdi sent you. The Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland focuses on medical dermatology and skin cancer diagnosis and comprehensive care. Now, specific to that is something very special and cutting edge, superficial radiation therapy, or SRT. SRT is an alternative to surgical procedures for basal cell and squamous cell skin cancers. SRT is revolutionary. It's a non-surgical skin cancer treatment that's safe and effective. You see, having skin cancer doesn't mean having to have surgery and the downtime and side effects that go with surgery. You have options. Understand that a non-surgical option in SRT is available. Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer SRT, unlike many other dermatology practices in the area, and SRT is covered by most insurances. To find out more, call 301-396-3401. Make sure you tell them that Al Galdi sent you. That phone number again, 301-396-3401, or visit midatlanticskin.com. That's MidAtlanticSkin.com. Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, nationally recognized for treating skin cancer across the Mid-Atlantic region. So you can always email me, the Al Galdi podcast at Yahoo.com. I got an email from Mike P. a few weeks ago asking me about the Washington football team. Wrote Mike, Is this team right now, with the current roster, the best team Fitz has played for, if he is the starting quarterback, which I do believe he will be? Well, it's funny that you asked that, Mike, because Ryan Fitzpatrick himself has kind of, sort of answered that question. Fitzpatrick was on with Pablo Estori in an installment of the ESPN Daily podcast that dropped on Monday. And Fitzpatrick said of his situation with the Washington football team going into this coming season, quote, I think this is the best situation I've ever been in or the best situation that I've ever got into as the guy, end quote. Take a listen. I think this is the best situation I've ever been in or the best situation that I've ever gone into as the guy I signed to be the starter in Houston I signed to be the starter in Miami so this is now the third team that I've signed to come in and be the starter for and I just feel like the way that I'm playing the last four years kind of the progression of my career it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense that 17 years in you know physically I feel great mentally emotionally I'm in the right spot I just think I am set up for success this year, and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, Fitzpatrick, quote, I think this is the best situation I've ever been in or the best situation that I've ever gone into as the guy. I signed to be the starter in Houston. I signed to be the starter in Miami. So this is now the third team that I've signed to come in and be the starter for, end quote. So two things stand out. Number one, him referring to himself as the guy and saying that he was signed by Washington to be the starting quarterback. Uh, That throws some cold water on the whole idea of a quarterback competition between Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke, right? Now, I've said that I want a competition, but I've also said that we don't know for sure that there will be a true competition. Words from Ron Rivera are one thing. Actions from Ron Rivera are another. Fitzpatrick saying what he said there clearly communicates that he has been told that he is the starting quarterback, that he has been told that he is the guy. Now, maybe he was told this months ago, like maybe he was told this when he signed and things now have changed to where Ron Rivera now is at least more open to the notion of Taylor Heineke as the starting quarterback. But interesting to hear Fitzpatrick say, quote, this is now the third team that I've signed to come in and be the starter for end quote. The other thing that stands out is Fitzpatrick saying that the 2021 Washington football team, quote, is the best situation I've ever been in or the best situation that I've ever gone into as the guy, end quote. 
Now, we should distinguish between team and situation. There is team and there is situation. A bad team can be a good situation for a player. A good team can be a bad situation for a player. You could argue that the best team that Fitzpatrick has been a part of was the team he was on last season, the 2020 Miami Dolphins. They went 10-6. and six. They had a defense that finished the 2020 regular season number six in the NFL in pass defense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric, and a defense that finished number one in the NFL in third down defense. So the team was good, but the situation for Fitzpatrick was not very good because the Dolphins benched him after a three and three start in favor of Tua Tungavailoa, who the Dolphins, of course, took with the number five pick in the 2020 NFL draft. So good team, bad situation. Fitzpatrick saying that the 2021 Washington football team, quote, is the best situation I've ever been in or the best situation that I've ever gone into as the guy, end quote. That seems like he's saying this is a combo, good team, good situation, and he may well be right. The 2021 Washington football team very much could be the best team and best situation that Fitzpatrick has been a part of in his NFL career. Here to me are the three best teams that Fitzpatrick has been a part of. The 2014 Houston Texans, the 2015 New York Jets, and the 2020 Miami Dolphins. You start with the 2014 Houston Texans. They went 9-7 and seven, but missed the NFL playoffs. Fitzpatrick started 12 games. Case Keenum actually started two games for that Texans team. And Fitzpatrick in the 2014 regular season finished 13th out of 30 qualified quarterbacks in ESPN's total QBRs. That's a good season. He threw to receiving core that was led by DeAndre Hopkins and Andre Johnson. And how about the target totals for those guys in that 2014 regular season? DeAndre Hopkins was targeted 127 times. Andre Johnson was targeted 146 times. There's a theme with top receivers in Ryan Fitzpatrick quarterbacked offenses. And that theme is those guys get targeted a bunch. Those guys eat a bunch. I believe very much so. Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel are going to eat and eat heartily this coming season if Ryan Fitzpatrick is in fact Washington's starting quarterback. But yeah, Fitzpatrick was thrown to the likes of DeAndre Hopkins and Andre Johnson. You know, Fitzpatrick has credited the then Texans head coach Bill O'Brien for having turned Fitzpatrick's career around. 2014 also was the last good season for Texans running back Arian Foster, who rushed for 1,246 yards and eight touchdowns, averaged 4.79 yards per carry. And the Texans' defense in 2014, led by defensive coordinator Romeo Cornell, was terrific. Uh, The Texans finished the 2014 regular season with the number six total defense in the NFL per DVOA. That defense featured a peak J.J. Watt, 20 and a half sacks. You had Jonathan Joseph at corner. You had Kendrick Lewis at safety. You know who else you had at safety on that 2014 Texans team? Our buddy, D.J. Swearinger, was on that team. The 2015 New York Jets, they went 10 and 6 but missed the NFL playoffs, thanks in large part to probably the ultimate instance of Ryan Fitztragic. Everyone knows there's Ryan Fitzmagic and Ryan Fitztragic. What happened in week 17 of the 2015 season is the ultimate example, I believe, of Ryan Fitztragic. He completed just 16 of 37 pass attempts. He threw three interceptions all in the fourth quarter in a 22-17 loss for the Jets at the Buffalo Bills in a loss that caused the Jets to miss the playoffs. But still, Fitzpatrick had a very good 2015 season. He started all 16 games for the Jets that season. He finished 10th out of 33 qualified quarterbacks in ESPN's total QBR. The Jets' offense that season under head coach and former Washington defensive back Todd Bowles and offensive coordinator Chan Gailey put up some big numbers. I mean, I mentioned the extent to which Andre Johnson and DeAndre Hopkins ate on the 2014 Houston Texans with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. How about Brandon Marshall on the 2015 Jets? Marshall had 109 receptions for 1,502 yards and 14 touchdowns 
on 173 targets. Eric Decker had 80 receptions for 1,027 yards and 12 touchdowns on 132 targets. And the Jets finished the 2015 regular season with the number five total defense in the NFL per DVOA. Uh, That Jets defense featured edge rusher Muhammad Wilkerson, featured corner Darrell Rivas in the first season of his second stint with the Jets. And we talked about the 2020 Miami Dolphins, 10 and 6, but missed the NFL playoffs. 2020 Dolphins had a very good defense. The offense, though, wasn't great. Uh, Tua had a lot to do with that. So can the 2021 Washington football team be better than these three teams? Absolutely. I mean, these aren't like three all-time great teams or anything like that, but these have been, to me, the three best teams that Ryan Fitzpatrick has been on. He has had three of his best seasons with these teams. And did you notice a common denominator? Great defense. Each of these teams had a great defense. The 2014 Houston Texans, the 2015 New York Jets, and the 2020 Miami Dolphins. History suggests that when Fitzpatrick plays on a team with a great defense, he plays well. Now, is that correlation or causation? Hard to say, but it certainly seems, and we certainly hope, that Fitzpatrick in the 2021 season will also be playing on a team with a great defense. I think this is the best situation I've ever been in, or the best situation that I've ever gone into as the guy. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, my chat with Aaron Schatz, the creator of Football Outsiders, the editor-in-chief of Football Outsiders Almanac 2021, talking Washington football team. That is next segment. But right now, my friends, we get to it. Our countdown to Washington football team training camp, because remember, it is the final countdown. It's the final countdown. Yes, that's right. It is the final countdown. Washington football team training camp is days away. We'll begin this Tuesday, July 27th in Richmond, will take place in Richmond through July 31st, then we'll move to the team facility in Ashburn. And so I am giving to you a position group by position group breakdown of the team heading into training camp. We go in-depth on one position group each show. The three biggest questions for the position group for training camp, excluding injury. You know how we feel by now about the injury question, about the question of does everyone stay healthy? That's a question for every position group. We all get that. And these are questions for training camp, questions to which we'll have answers by the end of training camp, not questions for the upcoming season, questions for camp. If you have missed any of our deep dives, feel free to dive into them and uh, listen to them at your leisure. That is the beauty of the podcast. Episode 100, I talk defensive line. Episode 101, I talk tight end. Episode 102, I talked offensive line. Monday show, episode 103, I talk linebacker. Tuesday show, episode 104, I talk corner. 
Wednesday's show, episode 105, I talked running back. Thursday's show, episode 106, I talked safety. And now on this episode 107, we talk receiver, which is loaded with talent, loaded with promise, but also loaded with uncertainty. Because after Terry McLaurin, you're not certain about anyone. You may like a lot of guys, but you can't say you have complete certainty with anyone not named Terry McLaurin. So here we go. Question number one for the Washington football team at receiver in training camp. How many receivers is Ron Rivera willing to keep on Washington's season opening 53-man roster? So Washington last year in the cut down to 53 kept just five receivers, Terry McLaurin, Steven Sims, Dontrell Inman, Antonio Gandy-Golden, and Isaiah Wright. How much higher might that number be this year? Six? Seven? Dare I say eight? You may remember this. Mike Shanahan, in the cut down to 53 in 2011, kept eight receivers. So that's not without precedent. Although, obviously, that doesn't happen often. By the way, the eight receivers who Mike kept on Washington's season opening roster in 2011. You ready for these names? Anthony Armstrong, Terrence Austin, Brandon Banks, Jabbar Gaffney, Leonard Hankerson, Santana Moss, Niles Paul, and Dante Stallworth. But there are, by my count, 11 viable contenders to make Washington's season opening 53-man roster at receiver this year. Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Cam Sims, Adam Humphreys, Diami Brown, Antonio Gandy-Golden, Kelvin Harmon, Stephen Sims, Dax Milne, DeAndre Carter, because of his experience as a return man, and Isaiah Wright. Now, I'm not saying that all of those guys make the season opening 53-man roster. I'm saying that all of those guys are contenders, are player players to varying degrees to make the season opening 53-man roster. 11 guys. When's the last time you could say that for Washington at receiver? The givens are Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Cam Sims, Adam Humphreys, and Deyami Brown. Although I will point out that Adam Humphrey's contract is a nothing contract. Washington on March 25th announced the signing of Humphreys as an unrestricted free agent. He signed a one-year deal with just $150,000 fully guaranteed at signing, a salary cap hit of just $1.19 million. Humphreys is very cuttable, and he does have a significant recent injury history, but he also is a classic slot receiver who seemingly has been signed to replace Steven Sims. And Humphrey's two best seasons included him catching a bunch of passes from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Humphreys was signed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as an undrafted free agent out of Clemson in 2015. Humphreys played for the Bucs from 2015 through 2018, including in 2017 and 2018 with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who played in 14 games with 10 starts for the Bucs over those two seasons. And those two seasons have been Humphreys' two best seasons. 2017, Humphreys over 16 games, 61 receptions for 631 yards and a touchdown on 83 targets. 2018, Humphreys over 16 games, 76 receptions for 816 yards and five touchdowns on 105 targets. Additionally, Humphreys has had some big games against Ron Rivera. Humphreys had some big games against Rivera during his time as Carolina Panthers head coach. And I'm not saying that this is why Washington signed Humphreys, but this doesn't hurt. You know, 2016 season, week 17, a 17-16 Bucks win over the Panthers. Humphreys, 10 receptions for 94 yards on 13 targets. 2018 season, week 9, a 42-28 Bucks loss at the Panthers. Humphreys, 8 receptions for 82 yards and 2 touchdowns on 8 targets. 2018 season, week 13, a 24-17 Bucks win over the Panthers. Humphreys, seven receptions for 61 yards and a touchdown on nine targets. So Humphreys, if healthy, should be 
on Washington's season opening roster. The issue with him is health. Humphrey signed with the Tennessee Titans as an unrestricted free agent in March 2019. They released him this past February. He played in just 19 games over his two regular seasons with the Titans. So if the givens to make Washington's season opening 53-man roster at receiver are Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Cam Sims, Adam Humphreys, and Deyami Brown. Those are five guys right there. And maybe that ends up being it for Washington at receiver on the season opening roster. But how many more out of the following realistically can make that season opening roster? Antonio Gandy-Golden, Kelvin Harmon, Steven Sims, Dax Milne, DeAndre Carter, and Isaiah Wright. And so that brings us to question number two for the Washington football team at receiver and training camp. How do Kelvin Harmon and Antonio Gandy-Golden look coming off injury-ruined seasons? So Harmon spent the entire 2020 season on Washington's reserve-slash-non-football injury list. He suffered a torn right ACL and torn right LCL while working out in the 2020 offseason about a month before the start of training camp. Uh, That was quite the double whammy, too. Torn ACL and torn LCL. And, you know, keep in mind, Harmon was not drafted by Ron Rivera. So Ron is in no way beholden to Harmon, like Ron is to say Antonio Gandy-Golden. But Harmon did have a promising rookie season. 2019 six-round pick out of NC State. He, over the last seven games of the 2019 season, had 22 receptions for 290 yards on 35 targets. Harmon also was a terrific blocker as a rookie in 2019. So he definitely has work to do, A, coming off the injury, B, having not been drafted by Ron, but he did do some nice things in his 2019 rookie season. As far as Antonio Gandy-Golden, aka AGG. So he had a lost 2020 rookie season, played in just six games, totaled just one reception on three targets. Antonio Gandy-Golden got hurt, missed a bunch of time, And then it was a total non-factor. AGG was on Washington's reserve slash injured list from October 24th to December 26th due to a hamstring injury that he suffered in that 2019 loss at the New York Giants in week six. He, in his first game back, the 2013 loss to the Carolina Panthers at FedEx Field in week 16 in Dwayne Haskins' final game for Washington in the final stand for old Dwayne Uh, AGG in that game, no receptions on three targets in playing on 83% of Washington's offensive snaps. And then how about this? Antonio Gandy-Golden was inactive for Washington's 2014 win at the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday Night Football in Week 17 to clinch the NFC East and was inactive for the playoff game for the 31-23 loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field on Wild Card Weekend. So again, AGG got hurt. AGG missed a bunch of time. And then AGG was a total non-factor. A lot of work for him to do in training camp. But he does profile as someone who can very much be a factor. Washington took Antonio Gandy-Golden in the fourth round of the 2020 NFL Draft out of Liberty. He was productive at Liberty, including over his last two seasons, 2018-2019, which were at the FBS level of Liberty having been in the FCS Gandy Golden in each of his two FBS seasons had at least 71 receptions, at least 1,000 receiving yards, and exactly 10 touchdown receptions. And AGG in 2019 was number four in the FBS in receiving yards at 1,396 and number five in the FBS in first down receptions at 60. People, as you may recall, loved the selection of Antonio Gandy Golden. And I'm not talking about Washington fans. I'm talking about national analysts. Lewis Riddick, ESPN NFL front office insider on the ESPN ABC telecast of day three of the 2020 NFL draft called Washington taking AGG a quote, spectacular pick, end quote. Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL draft analyst on NFL Network and for NFL.com, he labeled Washington's selection of AGG as the best value pick in the fourth round of the 2020 NFL Draft. And for whatever it's worth, Antonio Gandy-Golden has a Chuck Norris-like background. Antonio Gandy-Golden's first sport was gymnastics. He has bowled a perfect game. And my favorite thing, he raised sheep, chickens, 
roosters, and pigs in high school. I'm not sure what that means for Antonio Gandy-Golden's future as an NFL receiver, but I guess it can't hurt, right? But yeah, he's got this like Chuck Norris-like background. You know, I heard Antonio Gandy-Golden doesn't read books. He just stares them down until he gets the information he wants. I heard that when God said, let there be light, Antonio Gandy-Golden said, say please. I heard that Antonio Gandy-Golden once won a game of Connect Four in three moves. Yes, thank you. Uh, Will the legend of Antonio Gandy-Golden grow in 2021? Because we barely saw old AGG in 2020. But how he and Kelvin Harmon look in training camp is a big deal. And question number three for the Washington football team at receiver in training camp, is there hope for Steven Sims or is he cut player playing? You know the phrase dead man walking? Steven Sims seems to be cut player playing. Steven Sims's two biggest jobs in the 2020 season were as a slot receiver and as Washington's primary punt returner. But he had a bad season in both regards, and Washington this offseason signed a more accomplished slot receiver in Adam Humphreys, drafted a potential slot receiver in BYU's Dax Milne, albeit with the team's third, seventh-round pick, and signed a guy in DeAndre Carter with extensive punt return and kickoff return experience. You tell me. What does that writing on the wall tell you about what Ron Rivera is thinking about Steven Sims? The guy, I think, very much has an uphill climb regarding making the team. Steven Sims in the 2020 regular season, over 12 games, had just 27 receptions for 265 yards and a touchdown on 37 targets. He missed four games due to a toe injury. He was guilty of way too many drops. And he was really bad on punt returns with way too many fumbles. Washington signed Steven Sims in April 2019 as an undrafted free agent out of Kansas. He ended his 2019 rookie season on a roll. Sims, over the last five games of the 2019 season, had 23 receptions for 259 yards and four touchdowns on 40 targets. The four touchdowns came over the final three games. I will say this about Steven Sims. He did make a big play and that wild card loss to the Bucks at FedEx Field last January. The drive that followed Taylor Heineke, having just gotten his left shoulder taped up, resulted in that Heineke fourth quarter, third and 10, 11-yard shotgun touchdown pass to Steven Sims, who did a great job of dragging his left cleat to stay in bounds in the end zone. The ensuing Dustin Hopkins extra point cut Washington's deficit to 28-23. So that was a big play. Sims was terrific on that play. But, you know, one great play doesn't make up for all of the struggles last season. If Steven Sims has a great camp and others do not and or others get hurt, then sure, Steven Sims could find his way onto the season opening roster. But otherwise, it seems abundantly clear that Washington is ready to move on. And now we move on to the daddy of DVOA. All right, very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast right now, a special guest, one of the pioneers in the analytics movement in football, Aaron Schatz, the creator of Football Outsiders, the editor-in-chief of Football Outsiders Almanac 2021, the essential guide to the 2021 NFL and college football seasons. You can get a copy of Football Outsiders Almanac 2021 by going to footballoutsiders.com and Amazon. Com. It is Aaron Schatz who created DVOA, Defense Adjusted Value Over Average, a metric that I use all the time on the podcast. Aaron, it's great to have you on the podcast. How are you? Hey, I'm good. It's nice to get this thing out the door and get ready for the season. It's a lot of work, and now we can just prepare for some football. Absolutely. So I want to ask you a bunch about the Washington football team. There's a lot of interesting stuff on Washington in the Almanac. With the defense, the improvement from 2019 to 2020 in terms of DVOA was remarkable. Washington went from number 27 in the NFL in total defense per DVOA in the 2019 regular season to number three 
in 2020. One of the many lessons of football outsiders over the years is the plexiglass principle, which states that teams that significantly improve in a phase of the game tend to see a decline in that phase the following season. Do you see Washington's defense being a victim of the plexiglass principle in the 2021 season? I think it's likely that it's going to decline a little bit, but I think that they've done a good job of trying to arrest that decline with the additions that they've made on defense this offseason, especially William Jackson is a great addition to finally have a number one cornerback. They were number 27 in the league covering opposing number one receivers last year. And so I think that that is going to significantly improve this year, and that'll help the decline be less than it would be otherwise. Football Outsiders tracks the strategic tendencies of each NFL team. One thing that stands out from Washington's defense in 2020 is that the secondary was in man coverage just 24% of the time. That ranked 25th in the NFL. The expectation for this coming season is that Washington will be in man coverage more due to the signing of Jackson. When it comes to man coverage versus zone coverage, generally speaking, Is one more effective than the other? I know that so much of this is team and talent dependent, but I'm just wondering if there is an overall trend when it comes to man versus zone. I don't think in general, but I think that man coverage has a wider variation of possibility than zone coverage. Zone coverage is sort of more conservative, so the highs are not as high and the lows are not as low. All right. Makes sense. So Washington's offense, the passing game was brutal last season. Washington, of course, has signed Ryan Fitzpatrick this offseason. A big point made in the Almanac is that there was a major difference last season in Fitzpatrick's DVOA with pressure versus Fitzpatrick's DVOA without pressure. Do you see that as a significant red flag? Yeah, it is because the fact is that he was 27th in the league without pressure and performance without pressure is much more consistent from year to year than performance under pressure. That being said, Fitzpatrick would have to be pretty bad to be as bad as what Washington had last year when they were the worst offense in the league. Fitzpatrick could be slightly below average and still be a huge upgrade. What kind of a 2021 season are you expecting Ryan Fitzpatrick to have? I mean, it sounds like some regression is anticipated. Do you think this will end up just being like a mediocre 2021 for Fitzpatrick? Could he end up cratering in 2021? I think it's more likely to be mediocre, but not necessarily bad. Personally, I think we may be a little bit too low on the Washington offense going into this year. I think Fitzpatrick can be better than that. And I think you can get average performance out of him. And if the defense is as good as Washington believes the defense can be, average performance at the quarterback position is is just fine. Washington's top two receivers, at least going into this season, are Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. What do you think about those guys and what they could end up doing this year? I think the interesting thing here is what is what are they doing with Curtis Samuel? Because Curtis Samuel has been completely two different players the last two years, right? Two years ago, he was a deep threat. Last year, he ran tons and tons of short routes with lots of yards after the catch. And I don't know which of those two players Curtis Samuel is going to be for Washington in 2021. How much do skill position players matter? Like, if we all agree that nothing matters more than quarterback, How do you assess the true value of receivers, tight ends, and running backs? Like, it seems to me quarterbacks make skill position players more so than skill position players make quarterbacks, although clearly there are examples of the latter. But where do you stand on that issue? I think the general belief in analytic circles is that the wide receivers are the second most important position on the offense. I mean, absolutely, there's no question that the quarterback is the most um, important position. Brian Burke from ESPN, the way he puts it this way, which is that football is in some ways a combination of an individual sport and a team sport because the importance of the quarterback is is so large that it, it just sort of dwarfs everything else. But, I mean, the other players are important, and especially the wide receivers. Certainly in analytic circles, there's the belief that the running back position is not as important as it's always been seen historically. But wide receiver... And also, I think tight end are definitely important, and you want to be better at those positions. The NFL, obviously, is a passing league like never before. 
Do you think we're reaching like the end of the internet when it comes to that, that there's just not much more that can be done in terms of the frequency with which teams pass the football? Or is there still like a whole unexplored frontier regarding that? Is the rate of passing only going to continue to go up and go up significantly in the coming years? I think we're, we're still headed towards more passing. I don't think we've reached the end of the line yet as far as passing's efficiency compared to running. I think there's still a little bit more to go. I would bet that it evens out at running maybe 25 to 30% of the time, and teams still run 40 45% of the time. Talking Washington football team and more with Aaron Schatz, the creator of Football Outsiders and the editor-in-chief of Football Outsiders Almanac. 2021. So one of my favorite parts of the Almanac each year is the pregame show in which you put forth a number of general analytics principles in football. I want to ask you about one of those principles, and that is championship teams are generally defined by their ability to dominate inferior opponents, not the ability to win close games. I'm guessing that a lot of people listening find that counterintuitive. I think it makes sense given the flukish nature of teams' records in close games, but what's the thinking behind that principle? Uh, Basically what you just said, the flukish nature of team records in close games. So often close games uh, are decided by just the bounce of the ball, one turnover, one unexpected thing, one conversion, small sample size events, Whereas blowouts are large sample size events. They're playing better than your opponent over a large number of plays. So, I mean, listen, the best wins are blowouts of good teams. But then the fact is blowouts of bad teams tell you more about the quality of a team than close wins over good opponents. So the whole thing of this team knows how to win close games or you have to learn how to win close games. Are those just false concepts? Yeah, there really isn't. There are certain quarterbacks who over time have played better in close games than others. They're usually the best quarterbacks in general, like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. So I don't think that there's anything in particular about certain players that play better in those close games. I think that's when the best players play their best. So I mentioned that you created DVOA, a great way of assessing team efficiency and individual player efficiency. That goes far beyond just yards. You know, context is everything. And DVOA factors in context in a manner in which yards just does not. Does it frustrate you like it frustrates me that the media still relies way too much on just plain yards as a measure of team offense and team defense and even player performance? I would love for people to be more familiar with DVOA and for our statistics to be used on broadcasts. I'm available for all of the broadcast networks that do football games, certainly. But I think more important than using our stats is just an understanding of the basic concept of analytics. So more important than using DVOA is not using total yardage, just not ranking teams based on total yardage. There's so much context involved in total yardage. You know, starting with the best teams giving up more yards because they're winning late in games and it doesn't matter to them that they're giving up yards. It's just a really bad way to rank teams. And they're, even if, even if all they did was switch from total yards to yards per play, it would be a huge step forward in the way that the television broadcasts talked about how good teams are. Why do you think that we don't see more of that? Why do you think? that the process to adopt a smarter way of talking about football is taking so long? I don't know. I think some of it is just getting the commentators and the producers interested in the analytics world. Some of them are. I mean, you know, obviously Chris Collinsworth owns Pro Football Focus, so he's very forward-thinking, and he gets the producers at NBC to be very forward-thinking, but other analysts are not, you know, commentators and play-by-play guys, and their producers are not as forward-thinking about these things. So, um, I, I don't know. I would love to explain to them why stop using total yardage. I mean, it's tough. You know, Troy Aikman is knows more about analytics than people give him credit for. He knows that ranking teams by total yardage is bad, and yet he can't get the producers at Fox to not introduce the teams that way when they introduce the teams at the start of a broadcast. I have no idea what that is. It's incredible. I mean, it's 2021. I'm just like, 
can we please get away from this? Uh, the recent development of us now having sack stats from 1960 through 1981, thanks to the work of John Turney and Nick Webster of the Pro Football Researchers Association. The data is on Pro Football Reference, but Pro Football Talk had a report this past Friday that the NFL is not expected to officially recognize pre-1982 sacks. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's a bummer because I think those guys have done a lot of very accurate work and certainly um, tackle stats from the modern times are no, you know, those sack stats are just as accurate as tackle stats are now. So I would love to see those numbers represented in historical numbers and count for records. But honestly, as long as those numbers are on pro football reference and we can all access them easily, they matter in our hearts. If somebody were to break the sack record, this year, everybody would sort of put an asterisk on it unless they also broke Deacon Jones's record. What Turney and Webster did, going through play-by-play and other things, to figure out who did what in terms of sacks from 1960 through 1981 really is something else. And of course, it's similar to what you and Football Outsiders have done for years in figuring out DVOA and expanding the DVOA database. What is that like going through play-by-play of games from decades ago, trying to figure out who did what in a game in, you know, 1987 when record keeping clearly was not what it is today? I got to imagine that is incredibly tedious work, but also rewarding work. It's tedious. Uh, it's interesting. It's fun to see the old names. Uh, it's frustrating when you see that official stats are wrong. They're just wrong. Starting with places where old official scores could not add up to 10 properly. (laughs) And so you'd have stuff like a nine yard gain on second and nine followed by a third and one. That's, you can't have that. If you have a nine yard gain on a second and nine, you should have a new set of downs. So um, there are places where if I was in charge, we would change some of the old numbers a little bit, but uh, it's also really rewarding to be able to go back and do the kind of contextual analysis that we do for years from the 80s. When we rank teams in our stats, we can go all the way back to 1983. It's a lot of fun. Ultimately, how far do you think you can go back with DVOA? We think we can make it back to 78. Uh, the guy, Jeremy Snyder, who does a lot of our collection of the old play-by-play and and trend, uh writing it all down and um he thinks he can do to 1980 we think maybe we can get back to 78 but at a certain point we're going to start getting to where there are games we just can't find well aaron uh this was a lot of fun congrats on football outsiders almanac 2021 great job by you guys as is the case every year thank you and i should point out to get the online version of the almanac you need to be an fo plus subscriber but we're having a sale on that right now only $1 a week for a full year. You can also subscribe monthly, and that gives you the online articles for all 32 team chapters plus the PDF that you can download. Or you can get the physical copy from Amazon. Excellent. Aaron, thanks a lot for coming on. All the best. Thank you for having me on the show. All right, my friends, that will do it for you and me, but just for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. We have another round of the Battle of the Beltways this weekend. Three-game series for the Nationals at the Orioles. Full recap on Monday's show, which also will mark the start of a big week for this podcast as Washington football team training camp begins this Tuesday, July 27th. Washington football team season, for all intents and purposes, starts next week. You will get in-depth coverage of Washington training camp on this podcast like you won't get anywhere else. I can promise you that. We have two more position groups, as they are, to do in our position group by position group breakdown of the Washington football team heading into training camp, quarterback and special teams. So we'll get to those early next week. The weekend, always a good time to catch up on anything that you may have missed on the podcast. You definitely want to check out Wednesday's show if you haven't already. Episode 105, that show includes my conversation with former NFL executive Joe Banner 
on the Washington football team. Joe is the former president of the Philadelphia Eagles. He discussed the outcome of the Beth Wilkinson investigation, talked about Ron Rivera's culture overhaul. Ron was Eagles linebackers coach during Joe's time with the Eagles. Joe also got into Washington signing Ryan Fitzpatrick, got into modern roster construction, and a lot more. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.